Thank you guys and gals. Thank you for leading us and thank you for participating. Never forget when, when uh, Dean and Sarah came one time to speak to us. And this is what Dean and Sarah said. He said, I don't know of a church anywhere in Panhandle that sings like Grace. That's pretty good testimony to have, isn't it? And he didn't mean sing bad. He meant sing loud. Uh, fill up the building with the sound of the human voice praising the Lord. That's pretty cool. Thank you for doing that. Okay, Jonah chapter number 4 is where, where we are. I hope you've enjoyed our little trip through the book of Jonah. Um, we'll bring it to a close today. All good things have to come to an end. So Jonah chapter 4 will be the concluding message from this short book. You remember what's going on here. Uh, God spoke to Jonah while he was in his home nation of Israel and said, Jonah, i got a job for you. I want you to go up to Assyria, preach to the capital city of Nineveh, tell them they've got 40 days and I'm going to destroy the place. Uh, Jonah said, nope, don't believe I'm going to do that, God. Matter of fact, I'm going the opposite way. So he went down, caught him a boat at, Tar uh, at, uh, at, at, at Joppa, headed off to Tarshish. Y'all been listening, haven't you? Good. Headed off to Joppa. Didn't get very far before the Lord sent uh, a storm, beat and battered the ship. The soldiers get all spiritual and start praying. They find out Jonah's the reason. They throw him overboard. The Lord appoints a fish to save Jonah by swallowing him. Stays in the fish for three days and three nights. In the fish's belly, he came to terms with God. They had a, he had a come to Jesus moment in the belly of the fish. That's a pretty good place to have one, isn't it? So anyway, gets out, hits the ground running, and heads off to Nineveh, goes and preaches, and lo and behold, who would have thunk that those wicked Ninevites would have listened to a preacher? But they did, and they repented. So now we pick up in Jonah chapter number 4. Are you ready? Here we go, verse number 1 of Jonah chapter 4. The Bible says, But it greatly displeased Jonah... And he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord, that is to Yahweh, and he said, Please, Yahweh, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. And the Lord said, Do you have good reason to be angry? Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. And there he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. And the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, appointed a plant and it grew up over Jonah to be shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day, and it attacked the plant, and it withered. And when the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, Death is better to me than life. Then God said to Jonah, Do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry, even to death. Then the Lord said, You had compassion on a plant for which you did not work, on which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight? Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand, as well as many animals. Well, this morning in Sunday school, uh, Mr. Cliff was talking about how you can go to the Internet and Google and find just about any sermon and any sermon topic that you would like. But I defy you to do a Google search today and find one with the title of How to Live Life Mule Lip. <laughs> I don't think you're going to find that in your Google search for sermons. And uh, 
You know, somebody asked me one time, kind of offended me, said, where do you get your sermons? Well, <laughs> you ought to know by now that I don't get them from the Internet. And if, uh, man, if you can find one of my sermons on the Internet, it's either indicative that somebody has a pretty convoluted mind like mine, or either they're copying from me. But uh, most folk just don't think in the same terms as an old country preacher uh, thinks. So I want to speak to you today on this subject. Sounds kind of funny, but how to live life mule-lipped. I mean, if we get anything out of the text that we just read, it's kind of funny how Jonah is throwing him a temper tantrum. Jonah is mad. Is it all right in church to say that Jonah's ticked off? He don't like the way this went down, so he's mule-lipped. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the term mule-lip, I think you'll be able to define it pretty accurately after I get through with this message. But Colin defines it as that condition in which the bottom lip protrudes farther than the top lip. <laughs> if you've ever seen, seen an old mule, I mean, we had some on the farm, and I told you back in those days, you know, I mean, I, I was dipping Copenhagen when I was seven and eight years old. So I just saw one day we had an old mule, and I saw him, boy, he had a big old bottom lip sticking out, and I thought... He could take my whole can of Copenhagen in that lip. Look at that thing. Y'all remember that commercial? I'm going to tell you my age right now. Y'all remember, y'all, how many of you remember who Earl Campbell was? All right. Well, I won't tell that because uh, there's only a few of us here, so it'd be a very minority. Earl Campbell was a great, great football player. He used to do, he used to do, um, he used to do commercials for Skoll, smokeless tobacco. You remember that? But anyway, on the farm, I decided that that, that mule could, could carry a pretty good dip. So I just took a big old handful and I pulled his bottom lip down and stuck it in there. You know, a horse cannot vomit, but that one came as close as I've ever seen that day. <laughs> I cured him of what ailed him. He didn't have any more worms after that, but anyway, he didn't look too good with a big old dip of skull in his bottom lip. But nonetheless, he was mule <laughs> i got to get back to Jonah somehow or another. How do I get back from that to Jonah? Well, here you go. Oh, Jonah was mule-lit. So let's speak on this subject. How to live life mule-lit. You know anybody, I mean, sometimes, sometimes I feel like I, I don't even need Scripture to speak on this because I stay mule-lit more than I ought. Huh? I feel like sometimes I've got a Ph.D. in mule-lippedness. <laughs> there are some people who have just made it their perpetual state of being, to be mule-lipped. I went in a building supply store this week and uh, I got a, 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 an estimate one day and I went back the next day to make the purchase and the guy who I dealt with the day before wasn't in there. They replaced him with this lady. And son, I want to tell you, she was one of those people who was born grouchy and then relapsed. <laughs> she was just in a horrible mood. And I was just about to talk to her, you know, about her and find out if she was having a bad day and all this when she got mad at one of the other employees and just stormed out behind the service desk and went off. I didn't know whether to be happy about that because she had left and got out of my way or whether to be sad because I didn't have a chance to talk to her. I was going to talk to her. So anyway, somebody came up and picked up where she left off because she just left me standing there. And uh, I said to the young man that was helping me, I said, tell me, is, is she having a bad day or is she just like that all the time? And the young man said, no, actually, this is one of her better days. Oh, my word. <laughs> you know, people like that, it seems like they just live grouchy. They're just in a bad mood. They're just mad all the time. And they want everybody around them to be miserable. Well, that's kind of where Jonah was. He was pretty mule-lipped. So how is it that you and I, and you know, Heather got on to me because she looked at my title before I... I, I I was wanting her to, and she said, sounds like you're wanting people to be mule-lipped. No, I'm not. This is kind of irony, okay? This is homiletical irony. But I promise you, if you want to be mad and grouchy and all of that, then just follow the formula on this paper, and that's where you're going to end up. A pretty miserable, bitter, grouchy person. How is it that we can live life mule-lipped? Well, I think the overarching principle behind why Jonah was mad is because Jonah was a self-centered person. So how can you be mule-lipped? Just be a self-centered Christian. Now why do I say Christian? Because the principles really apply to lost people as well. Well, because that's what Jonah was. Jonah was a child of the Lord, was he not? 
He was one of God's people and here he was mad and angry over stuff that he should not be mad and angry about. Hey, do you know that, that, that a, a, a person who is like that, man, if you're a believer and you're constantly in a bad mood and grouchy and of ill temper and, and, and mule-lipped, you know that's not a commendation at all for the gospel of Jesus Christ, is it? I mean, if, if, if you like that, probably better off not tell anybody that you're a believer because as believers, our life ought to be marked by joy. No matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, there ought to be joy. But nonetheless, we still find ourselves with the Jonah syndrome more often than we would like. Would we not? I mean, is anybody out there or am I just preaching to myself today? I mean, sometimes you wake up and you're just grouchy and want to bite somebody's head off and you don't know why. Well, here we go. How is it that we can do that? Well, I'm telling you, most of the time it can be traced back to the fact that we are really more self-centered than we want to admit. Notice these first two verses, or let me, let me say the verses 2 and 3. Take a pen and I want you to go through that verse, uh, those two verses and underline how many times you see the word I, me, or my. And remember, this is God's man speaking here. And look how consumed he is with himself. And depending on your translation or on your version, you're going to come up with anywhere from six to nine times. I'll go ahead and tell you that in the original language, in the Hebrew text, the personal pronoun I or the possessive my is used nine times in just a short span of a few words. What does that say about somebody when that's always I, 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 me, 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 my, my, my? It lets you know what the focus of their life is, and the focus of their life is themselves. They're self-centered. They are the ones who are indeed sitting on the throne of their life. And hear me, if you are self-centered and sitting on the throne of your life, then you are a fine candidate to live life mule-lipped. You know why? Because more times than not, it's not going to go your way. More times than not, you're going to be offended. And here's how I know, you know, the Bible tells us, uh, uh, Paul tells us that we are to die to self. Am I right? But can I ask you a question? How much of you is still alive and well? Uh, how much of, of, of the flesh is occupying the major part of who I am? And boy, this is one of the indicators to tell. Hey, the more of me there is alive the bigger target I have for you to hit to make me mad at you. Are you following me? But the less of me there is alive, then the smaller the target is and the less likely I am to become mad about anything because this is not my life. <laughs> it's not about me. It's about Him. So anger is really a warning sign on the dashboard of life that lets us know that spiritually... We are not where we ought to be. You see, the Bible has a lot to say about anger, and we talk about being having righteous anger. The problem is, more times than not, our anger is not righteous. And here's what Scripture says. Scripture says that the wrath of man, or the anger of man, does not work the righteousness of God. So when I'm mule-lipped, make no mistake about it, there's nothing righteous, there's nothing spiritually profitable going to flow from me because the wrath of man, the anger of man, cannot, does not, will not work the righteousness of God. So how much of you is still alive? Here's what anger is at its core. You know why it is that people get mad? You know why it is that we get mad? We get mad basically when we feel like our sense of justice has been violated. You have this standard of what is good and fair and right. And when that is violated, when that's not carried out, then we get anger. Anger seems to be the natural response to that. So, here's the thing. When we feel like we've been done wrong what's going to happen? We're going to respond in anger. And we're going to probably end up living life mule-lipped. But guess what? If you're dead to self, 
All of that goes away. But here's Jonah. He's a perfect picture of a very self-centered believer or self-centered Christian. So how can you tell if you're a self-centered believer or self-centered person? Several ways in this text, and you knew I was going to point them out to you, so here we go. How do you know when there's more of you alive than you really want there to be? How do you know when you are fully enthroned in the control room of your own life? Well, here they are. About six or seven ways in this text. Number one, you are more alive than you want to be. You're more self-centered than you should be when what pleases God displeases you. You ever thought about it? When what pleases God displeases you. So check this out. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 1. But it greatly displeased Jonah. I mean, did verse number 1, in light of what happened in verse number 10, when God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which He had declared that He would bring upon them and He did not do it. Does verse number 1 kind of seem out of place to you? Huh? And it should. Because God was pleased with what took place in Nineveh. He was pleased with not bringing judgment and calamity upon Nineveh. God's man should have been overjoyed because of that. But Jonah was mule-lipped. How do you know when you're self-centered? When what pleases God displeases you. I'll never forget one time I had a, a friend from seminary asked me to come preach a, a series of revival meetings in his church. And he told me before he came, he said, Pastor Richard, don't expect a whole lot now. Not a lot going to happen here. He said, because I, I've been here about five years. And he said, would to God, somebody would just get up one Sunday and go to the bathroom. That'd be more movement than we've had in years. <laughs> Nothing has been happening here. So I said, man, that don't matter. Listen, I'm just going to come clear me off a place, a spot, and I'm just going to preach as if there are 10,000 people there and they're all saying, speak, O trump of God, lest we die. That's what I'm going to do. He said, all right, you come on. So we did. We went up there and we preached. And listen, one day God got in the room. And before it was over at the invitation, the altar was filled and the pastor was introducing nine people who came to faith in Christ that day. I mean, it was a hallelujah moment. And as soon as the pastor prayed the closing prayer and let folk out, I was trying to make my way through there, and I heard somebody say, Hey, young man, come over here. And I looked, and I could just tell by the scowl on this man's face this wasn't going good at all. He was the, the, the patriarch deacon of the church. And son, he called me over and went up one side of me and down the other because the service went 25 minutes over 12 o'clock. Nine people up here weeping just gave their life to Christ and this guy is ticked off. And you see, that's kind of where Jonah was. When what pleases God displeases you. So the big question that we have to explore this week in grace groups, are y'all listening? Is what pleases God? Here's what the Apostle Paul tells us in, uh, uh, in the book of Colossians. He said that we are to learn what is pleasing to God. And when we learn what is pleasing to God, those things are what we do. But most of the time, things that please God displease us. Hey, can I ask you a few questions today? I mean, I might as well. Hey, would it please God if somebody today repented of their sin and said, God, I'm getting off the throne of my life. I'm no longer going to give the world a target to hit me and cause me to be angry and mule-lipped. I'm getting off the throne and I'm allowing you to occupy the throne. Would that please God? Here's my second question. If that would please God, then... Why is that not you today? Hey, would it please God today? I mean, we're ascending church, right? We're about to start burning the airways up, sending folk to cross-cultural 
unreached mission fields. Thank God the pandemic's finally gone. Would it please God today at the end of this service if two or three folk came forward and said, I know what God wants me to do. He wants me to give my life to the Great Commission and become a cross-cultural missionary in X. Would that be pleasing unto God? See, you're afraid to answer now because you know I'm setting you up, don't you? Hey, would that be pleasing unto God? You better believe it would be like a sweet savor, a sacrifice before the throne of God and He would breathe it in deeply. But if that pleases God, why don't we do it? Hey, would it please God if we just said, Lord, I'm making you the priority of my life. From now on, there's no excuse. From now on, you have the right to say to me and do with me whatever you want. And i tell you this, God, since you're the priority, I'm going to make sure that I'm at grace every Sunday unless I'm in the hospital. Would that please God? You know what the next question is, don't you? <laughs> Let me go. Y'all going to throw rotten tomatoes at me before I get out of here. How to live life mule lip. Well, be a self-centered Christian. You do that when what pleases God displeases you. My, my. We got to make our pleasures come together, don't we? Man, what would happen if God gave us the desires of our heart? If we found pleasure and joy in the same thing that God finds pleasure and joy in. But too many times... What pleases God somehow or another displeases us. And you know what? The only circumstance that causes that is if there's too much of you still alive in you and in me. Check it out. Number next, how do you know if there's too much of you alive if you're a self-centered believer? Number two, when we pout, when we should rejoice. Now look at Jonah. Look at Jonah pouting right here. I mean... So this is classic mule lip stuff right here, isn't it? I mean, notice what he says. He prayed to Yahweh and he said, Please, was this not what I said while I was still in my country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew. Now check this out. It's almost incomprehensible. Jonah is mad at God. And why is he mad at God? Over things that should cause him to rejoice. Look what Jonah said. I'm mad because you are gracious. Son of a gun. Take God's chief attribute, His graciousness, and you're mad at Him because of it. <laughs> I don't get it. Look, and because you're a compassionate God. He's taking things... Son, this, this verse right here ought to be cause for a praise service, should it not? Thank God you're a gracious God and you're a compassionate God. You're slow to anger and you're abundant in loving kindness. And that word hesed, it means this, is that He has relentless love. Relentless. That means God has chosen that He's going to love you and there's nothing you can do to make him stop loving you. And here Jonah is. He's mad at God because of that. My word. I would have liked to said, well, Jonah, how would you like God to be? Would you like him to be very rigid and legalistic? Would you like him to be incompassionate, Jonah? Would you like him to be quick to anger, to fly off the handle? Hey, the only reason any of us are still alive is because of these attributes of God. And here Jonah is, he's mad at God for being God. It's crazy, is it not? But that's what happens when self is alive because things didn't go Jonah's way. Oh, listen, here's what Jonah wanted. Jonah wanted God to be gracious to him, but not to my enemies. He wants God to be compassionate to him, but not to anybody else. God, I want you to be slow to anger with me, but have a quick fuse with those other people. I want you to be loving to me, but I want you to respond in hatred to my enemies. 
My goodness. Jonah was a recipient of the grace of God. Was he not? That's the only reason Jonah was alive. And here he is pointing finger at God for being gracious. Well, how do you know when there's too much of you left in you, when you're a self-centered Christian, when what pleases God displeases you, when we pout when we should rejoice, and then number three is found in verse number five, when our spiritual productivity ceases. Look what Jonah did in verse number five. Then Jonah went out from the city and he sat east of it. You know what he did? Look at, look at the verse again. There he made a shelter for himself and he sat under it in the shade to see what would happen in the city. You know, someone posed a question the other day and they said this. They said, do you realize how much of the Christian life is spent sitting? I mean, stop and think about it. I mean, we, we go to meetings and we sit. We come to church and we sit. We go to Sunday school and we sit. We go to grace groups and we sit. And look, look that's what Jonah did. Jonah pulled up a chair underneath the shelter that he built and he sat down. Now why do I say spiritual productivity ceases when, we sat down, when he sat down? Because you know what Jonah should have been doing? The city was repenting. Jonah should have been down there leading folk through the survival kit, right? He should have been down there making disciples. He should have been down there telling folk about Yahweh God. Man, could the course of history for Assyria and Nineveh and Israel been different had Jonah not got mule lip, went out and quit working for God, stopped preaching, stopped making disciples, and he sat down and rolled his old bottom lip out because it didn't go the way he wanted it to. You know anybody that sat down? Can I just be honest with you? I'm kind of tired of hearing folks say, well, I got hurt in the church, so I'm just not going to do anything. I'm just going to play it low. I'm just going to sit down out here. I don't want to be involved too much because I'm afraid I might get hurt again. You big weenie. Quit it. Get your honey up and get back to doing what God says we ought to be doing and that's not sitting down with our lip rolled out. Huh? Listen, life's hard. But God's grace is better. Times are difficult. But God's Spirit gives us victory. Hey, and He's not going to give you victory as long as you're just sitting down saying, Well, I got hurt one time. So what? Jesus got nailed to a cross one time. You know what I'm saying? Jonah's productivity ceased because he got his feelings hurt by God. It didn't go his way. So he just quit doing anything for God. And boy, I want to tell you, the woods are full of those type of people. Been offended somewhere, and the only way you can be offended, listen, you can't be offended if you're dead to self. What you ought to say is, I'm a self-centered believer, and I don't give a rip about anything but me, so as long as it, if it don't benefit and please me, I ain't doing it. Let's just be honest and call it what it is, instead of trying to be spiritual and saying, well, somebody hurt my feelings one day. Man, Jonah stopped doing anything productive and he sat down because he was mule-lipped. Here we go, number next. How do you know when you're self-centered, when what pleases God displeases you, when we pout and when we should rejoice, when our spiritual productivity ceases? And number next, when we value possessions more than people. Look at, look at what's going on here in verses 6 through 8. So the Lord appointed a plant and it grew up over Jonah to be shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day and it attacked the plant and it withered. And when the sun come up, God appointed a scorching east wind. And the sun beat down on Jonah's head and he became faint and begged with all his soul to die. Death is better to me than life. Jonah was more upset over his plant 
than he was over the people of Nineveh repenting. And God chastens him for it. Now check this out. I want you to see this. You know, we have a habit of thinking, well, if you get mad and you pull out of church, stop doing anything spiritually productive, and just go sit down somewhere with your bottom lip rolled out, that's okay, God's just going to let you sit there. But He's not. He's going to put heat on you, and He's going to make it worse than it is right now. Did God just let Jonah sit out there? No, it's almost as if God antagonized Jonah more. Because He's not going to let one of His children be set out and be mad over something He has no right to be mad over. That's why God keeps asking, do you have a right to be mad? Notice what God did. So here you go. Setting in your shade tree, in your easy chair, rather than serving God because... Something didn't go your way one day. What does God do? Does He just say, well, go ahead and sit there. We're going to have a party up here without you. No, that's not what He does. Look what He did to Jonah. Well, He appointed a plant first. Jonah was very happy about the plant, but God was just setting him up. Next thing we know, God appointed a worm. And a worm came and cut his plant down. So his shade was gone. Next thing God did, not only did God take his shade away, but He pointed a scorching east wind and the sun to beat down on Jonah's bald head. So God says, you want to be miserable, son? Let me show you what misery is. I can make you a little more miserable. And you see, that's what goes on when we pull up lame for no good reason, and we stop being spiritually productive. We kind of draw up on the wrong side of fence of God. It's not that God's punishing you, but God is disciplining you, because every son whom the Father loved, He chastens. Hear me, if you claim to be a child of God and you can be disengaged from the mission of God in this life, if you can be disconnected from the local church and God doesn't antagonize you and send worms to cut down your shade tree and send a scorching east wind to blow a Sirocco and sandblast you, then I would question whether or not I really am a child of God. Because God is not going to let you sit out there with your lip rolled out. You know why? Because you're a bad commercial for Him. (laughs) And He's not going to let that happen. Number next, how do you know when you're self-centered? How do we know when we're more like Jonah than we ought to admit? Well, when we value possessions more than people. But number next, when we exhibit problems within our personality. Problems within our personality. You know, don't get me wrong here. We're, we're all different, are we not? And we all are messed up, are we not? But you know, because we are messed up, that's indicative of the fact that something's not right. Am I right? <laughs> because we are messed up. But do you ever notice that some folk get a little bit more messed up than other folk? <laughs> and you know... <laughs> You know, most of the time that can be traced to spiritual reasons. Hey, you are a spiritual being. And your life cannot be in spiritual disarray and expect everything to be hunky-dory. So if you're out of kilter spiritually with God, there are going to be problems within your personality that come to the surface that will not be there when we're wholly walking with the Lord God. They just will. So check out some of the, these personality issues and, 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 and see if you can identify with any of them. What were some of the problems in Jonah's personality at this point? Well, number one, he had wide mood swings. Son, I mean, he went from one end of the spectrum, not just next door. He went all the way to the next zip code, just like that. You ever been there? You ever been able to vacillate from one extreme to the other? Let me show you these extremes. Notice what the Bible says. Verse number 1, It greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. He's angry. There's strong emotion here, strong negative emotion. By the way, Dr. John reminds us that Tim Keller says that when we have an idol in our life, there's usually strong emotion attached to it. And you see, 
You can ask yourself, what makes me mad? What makes me like Jonah? What makes me very angry? And then you can tell what idols you have in your life. You can tell how much of you is still alive and how much of you is on the throne. Jonah was very, he's extremely angry in verse number 1. Now follow with me to verse number 6. God appoints a plant to grow up over his head. And look what verse 6 says. Jonah was extremely happy. How can you go in just a little while from being extremely angry, ready to bite the head off of nails, mule-lipped, to over here just being as happy, I mean extremely happy. He is euphoric over this plant. (laughs) Now, check out again. We're not through with this roller coaster ride of mood swings. Look in verse number 8. Jonah gets very angry again. And look what he says. He begged with all his soul to die. You see these mood swings? Know anybody like that? It goes back and forth across the spectrum of emotion. Can I say to you that is indicative of a spiritual problem? And man, you, you, you really don't need to sit on a counselor's couch. You just need to open God's Word and let it counsel you out of that stuff. Huh? I mean, n- notice what Joan is doing here. He's all over the place. And notice what happens when you get mad. I mean, when you get mad, you say things you ought not... Have you ever been there? There's so many things I'd wish I could take back that I said when I was mad. My goodness, do you see what I'm saying? The anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. It's not the anger that's the primary issue. It's the fact that there's too much of me alive and something has offended my sense of what's right. I was done wrong and I'm going to respond and now I'm going to take a swipe at you. That's normally the way it goes. We end up saying things that we ought not say and too many times once you say them, you can't get them back. And that's what Jonah did. To Jonah's credit, this God that he was mad at for being compassionate and gracious is demonstrating grace right now. Because Jonah's praying. Here's his prayer. God, kill me. It's a good thing God's gracious and sometimes he says no. Huh? Because he knows better than we do. And he's basically saying, Jonah, stop throwing your temper tantrum, son. Let's stop the mood swings. Let's come back to being a stable, grounded follower of Yahweh God. That's the goal. Check out what else. Not only did he have wide mood swings, a personality problem, but he also had this syndrome of making mountains out of molehills. Made a mountain out of a molehill. What was was the molehill? The molehill was the plant. Look, God God calls that plant to grow up like Jack and the Beanstalk, huh? And one day, that plant grew up. Jonah liked it. Next day, God calls it to die. Jonah became very angry, despondent, depressed, wanted to die because it wasn't fitting his scheme of comfort and what he thought, how he thought the Lord ought to deal with him and how the world ought to treat him. So... Now he's despondent again. He made a mountain out of a molehill. Have you ever known anybody to do that? Take little bitty things and blow them out of proportion? I mean, my goodness, this is a plant. And God questions Jonah about his motives with this plant. Well, I've got to hurry. How to live life mule lip? Be a self-centered believer. Be a self-centered Christian. How do you know when you're self-centered? Well, there's about six reasons right there found in this text. Number next, how to live a live life mule lip. Number two, ignore God's searching questions. Check this out. Look what, look what the Lord said. The Lord said in verse number four, here is a searching question for Jonah. Jonah, do you have good reason to be angry? There's a question. Verse number 9. Jonah, do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? Jonah, should I not be concerned about all of these people in Nineveh? 
Now, you know what's interesting to me here? Stop and think about it. When Jonah was disobedient to God and he ran, God doesn't say a word to Jonah until he repents. You remember that? God spoke to Jonah in chapter 1 and verse number 2. And when Jonah tucks tail and runs, God doesn't speak to him verbally again. Everything God does is through his actions. Right? Because Jonah's not listening. But look, here Jonah is, he's angry with God. And it's interesting to me that God's talking to him. God's speaking to him. So can I just say to you today, have you ever been angry with God? Yes. Here's another question. Will you ever be angry with Him again? More than likely so. He is a good God. He's a gracious God. He's compassionate. He's slow to anger. He's rich in mercy and abundant in loving kindness. And friend, I want to tell you, you can sit under your juniper tree, mule-lipped, but God is still going to knock on the door of your heart saying, Hey, where are you? Do you have good reason to be mad? Just ignore God's searching question. Have you noticed that the first time God asked Jonah that, what was Jonah's reply? Look at the text. Verse number 4, do you have good reason to be angry? What did Jonah say? No, he didn't say a thing. He didn't answer. That's part of the problem. He just ignored God. And do you understand when we ignore God, things don't get any better. They don't. What would have happened if Jonah would have entered into a dialogue with God around that question? But I can tell you what, Jonah wasn't in no mood to talk. You know what he was wanting? He was wanting God to agree with him. He was wanting God to say, you know what, Jonah, you're right. That's a raw deal, man. Jonah, you, got the, you drew the short straw on this. Man, I'm so sorry. That's bad, Jonah. Have you ever noticed it? Look, hey, hey, hey. When I'm negative and down and pessimistic, do you know what I want? I want somebody else to be negative and pessimistic with me. Huh? That's what I want. Uh, Heather, bless her heart, there's not a pessimistic bone in her body. I wish I could live in her world because everything, son, is blue sky and mockingbirds sitting on a, a limb outside her window singing every morning. That's, that's just life for my wife. Gosh, I wish I could live there. But when I get back, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I live with it. <laughs> look, there's times that things look pretty bleak. And I just want her sometimes to sit down by saying, and say, you're right, I don't think we're going to survive. <laughs> that would help me so much. I'd probably jump up. Hey, the other day, whoo, i got to do a lot. I've got to do a lot to make that woman mad. You hear me? But I pushed her boundaries the other day. And she got mad at me. And she got so mad, I just died laughing. I was bent over double laughing. And the more I laughed, the madder she got. She said, what's wrong with you? I said, you're so funny when you're mad. Keep on. <laughs> Keep chewing me out, baby. I was just gut rolling. <laughs> Look. Yes, he did. <laughs> but you see, that's what Jonah was wanting. He was wanting God to say, yeah, you know what, Jonah, you're right. You're going to sit there with your lips rolled out a long time before God says that, huh? But Jonah just ignored him. Now let me get back to seriousness. You may have pulled up lame and sat down. And God's asking you some questions. You can't just put it off till next week. You can't ignore it and expect this week to be any different than last week and the one before that and the one before that. Things don't get better until you enter into a dialogue with God. Why? Because He's asking these questions for your benefit. He asks these questions for introspection. That's what they're for. God's wanting you to look within yourself and see, hey, why is it that I'm so angry? Man, I hate it when I get mad. I do. I embarrass myself. I realize what a ding-dong I am. Just this week, Heather and I were in Dothan. And my wife, she's the type of person that if you're walking across the parking lot at Publix and there's a penny on the ground that's been there for 10 years and you can tell it, son, she's going to pick it up. 
she's going to pick that penny up. That's just the way she, I guess from all these years of being a preacher and a missionary's wife, she's learned how to pinch pennies. That penny's valuable. Huh? So the same way, you know, with shopping. She is frugal. She had rather shop at a thrift store than she had Parisienne. She just had. And it, but when we're buying gas, she'll drive across town to save three cents a gallon. So here we were in Dothan, and I needed some gas. And she said, look at the price at Sam's. I said, look at the line at Sam's. Huh? I mean, point in time where my time's more valuable than, than three cents a gallon. <laughs> but, you know, that day I was feeling benevolent. So I said, okay, we'll go in here in Sam's. So we pulled in Sam's, and the lines are, my gosh, from here to the liquor store, you know? And there's two pumps there. And she said, it'll go fast. I said, okay. So I'm sitting in this line, and it didn't go fast. And I'm watching this line next to me, and there's two pumps. There's one here and one here. And when two cars leave, you're supposed to pull all the way up to the front one, right? So the guy behind you can get the one behind you. Well, there's this guy in this King Ranch big Ford truck, and two people leave, and he pulls up to the front pump and stops. There are people backed up across the horizon. And I said, look at that guy. How insensitive, how inconsiderate, how brain dead must you be to take up everybody's time by not pulling to the next pump? I mean, I got indignant. There were people behind him that were getting out and walking up and talking to him. You know, I could see him pointing. And I told Heather, I said, you know, he filled that truck up and he'd been sitting there. It must have had a 180-gallon tank on it because he was there forever. And I'm telling Heather... Dear God, let him go before I pull up on the other side because I'm going to have a conversation with him. And my wife's, no, you're not, no, you're not. Yeah. I said, baby, look, you don't help people be responsible by letting them get away with ignorance. So I'm going to help him be responsible when I get up there. <laughs> Man, I'm mad. I'm fuming. I can't wait to get up there. I'm going to tell that guy how we do it in Dothan, Alabama. You, in Michigan, y'all might do it like this, but we don't do it like this in the South. We're considerate, huh? I mean, I don't have my speech rehearsed. I'm fuming. <laughs> and I get up there. Thank God, just before I pulled up to the pump, he pulls out. And when he pulls out, I had a clear view of the pump that was in front of him that he didn't pull up to. And there's big orange cones around it with out-of-order stickers all over it. Do you see what, what anger will do for you? Here's what it will do. It clouds your perspective. And you can't see. You don't know the whole circumstance. When we're angry, what we're doing is literally we're putting ourselves in the position of God saying, I see the entire playing field. And this was not right. This was not just. And can I say to you, Richie's not all-knowing. And at that gas pump that day, you know what the Lord said to me in my spirit? He said... Do you have a right to be angry over a gas pump? Ouch. Introspection. So you know what my commitment is? My commitment is next time I'm driving down the road at 55 miles an hour and somebody pulls out in front of me and does 15 for the next 30 miles, <laughs> I'm not going to get mad. <laughs> Y'all hold me to it, all right? Y'all ask me, if I, did I get mad? Because <laughs> I don't know the whole situation. Huh? I mean, that might be somebody's grandma in there that just can't see anymore. I wouldn't want somebody tailgating my grandma, right? <laughs> so here we go. These questions are for introspection. But number two, these questions show our own glaring inconsistency. Because here Jonah is. He was only alive because of the mercy of God. I'll never forget when I had to defend my final doctoral work before the faculty at Southwestern Seminary. My faculty advisor coached me and coached me. He said, now here's the thing. You're prepared for this. You, you, you're going to handle this. I don't have any concern about that, but I just want you to know what you're up against. He said, all these men who are going to be sitting on the other side of that table, who are going to be interviewing you and grilling you over your work for the past five years, he said, all of those men have already earned their doctorates, and here's their philosophy. They don't want anybody else in the club. So if they can keep you out, they'll be pleased to do that. Because their view is the more folk they let in the club, 
the less value the club has. And you know that's kind of where Jonah was, and, and let's be honest, that's kind of where we are sometimes. We're in, but do we really want somebody else to be in? Any of you ever had somebody do you wrong, I mean, and it hurt, and you still got the pain in your heart? Let's not negate that. That happens. But do you want something bad to happen to that person? Or would you rejoice if God blessed that person and God saved that person? Hey, I'm going to give you a challenge. Find the meanest person, the person who's hurt you the worst, and this week go out and invite them to Grace Church next Sunday. Because God's pleased when mean people come in. And by His grace, He saves them, causes them to be sweet, and causes them to be a signpost for His glory. Hey, don't live mule-lipped. Get off the throne and let God have control. And I promise it'll make a difference in your life. Would you stand with me, please? Father, thank you for your word. And God, would you help us hear the probing questions that you put before each one of us today? Because Jonah's not the only person that has found himself in this condition. Too often, we, the people of Grace Church, find ourselves right there. So God, I pray in Jesus' name that you are going to begin to sweeten us up. And God, you're going to use us to reach some of the people whom you have marked out from eternity past for a relationship with you. God, would you give us a little bit of your perspective and help us see folk from your perspective and have compassion just as you are compassionate. And God, would you help us be a good advertisement for the God who is gracious, who is compassionate, who is slow to anger, rich in mercy and abundant in loving kindness. Use your people this week for your honor and glory, and I pray it in Jesus' name. If God's spoken to you today, He's posed a question to you, and you need to answer that question. I'm going to invite you to come. Dr. John is going to be up here. Colin Dollar is going to be up here. God's spoken to you, and there's spiritual business that you need to take care of. Just be faithful. God's spoken to you today about being born again. You've, you've never been saved. You've never placed your faith in Jesus. You've never gotten self off the throne and allowed Him to be the Lord of your life. I'm going to ask you to come and talk with us. Let, let these men show you from Scripture what the Bible says about being saved. If you're here today and you know it would please God for you to be a part of a church that loves Him and is intent on getting the gospel not only around the block but around the world, I ask you to come and let these men know. Let them pray with you. God's spoken to you today. He's posed a question. Don't leave here today ignoring that question. In Jesus' name, won't you come right now?